Drop your pants and grab your ankles. It's time for Grillo's Aftershock XL with your host, Steve Grillo. How the hell did you get a TV show? TV show, podcast, whatever you want to call it. It's Steve Grillo, and you're listening to Grillo's Aftershock XL on the Aftershock XL Network. Very special day today. I also... uh. We had a couple, we had a really good show last night with Vinny Pastore. I'm not sure what show is going up first, but if you didn't listen to Vinny Pastore, you should listen to Vinny Pastore at some point. Um, we have some big news here on the Aftershock Excel Network. We got some uh, re- we got some rankings here on the podcast, Apple Podcast rankings for the last 30 days. Uh, we are 114 in the category of entertainment news in the United Kingdom. We are 114th place or position. We're in position 145 in the category of entertainment news, United States, and the position 219 in the category of entertainment news in Australia. Now, I know that doesn't seem like it's like in the top 10, but if you go with the percentages of how many podcasts there are out there, that's pretty good. And I'm very happy with that because we're on, I have to look at this, we're on so many things. We're on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Audible, YouTube. Everything is going to my plan. I'm very happy. And the bigger we get, the bigger guests we get. And I'm very, I met this person on the street with Roy McDonald. We were going there. People were elated to see him. They were taking pictures with him. And we had to stop and Roy had to take a picture. And then uh, this person um, does some really good work in the world. Uh, I watched this show from the beginning. I know it's kind of weird to kind of like think about stuff like this, but he he does stuff that it, it protects children. And it does, it does really good things in the world. I don't, I have a lot of children that, I don't have any children, but I have a lot of people that have children in my life and they're very special, close and dear to me. And I would always hate to see if anybody took advantage or did anything bad to them, especially when it comes to sexual predators. And this person that's um, waiting in the wings right now, I'm very excited to have him because I'm a huge fan of his show. I'm a huge fan of what he does and how he does it. And he is the host of uh, NBC's To Catch a Predator. Mr. Chris Hansen is here, and I'm very excited to have him. Steve, thanks for having me. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm much better now that you're here. <laughs> so uh, how are you doing today, pal? I'm good. I'm good. You know, some people don't really like running into me, believe it or not, especially in dark kitchens. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> when you come out with cookies and lemonade. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Some brownies. Uh, so uh, we bumped into you on the street, and you were nice. Uh, I, we're live from Hell's Kitchen. I know you're a Hell's Kitchen guy, and I know you. I, I heard nothing but good things about you around the neighborhood. Uh, everybody says that you're a gentleman, and, and you're a really fun and nice person to uh, be around and hang out with. And when we bumped into each other, it, it was true. You were very nice. Well, you know, it's it's my neighborhood. We we have a home right here, an apartment right here, and then we have a <clears throat> also have a home in suburban Detroit. Both uh, Gabriel and I are from uh, Michigan originally, so we're back and forth a lot. But I, I like this neighborhood, you know, and I like uh, uh, the accessibility. And and yeah, I mean, you walk up and down uh, the streets in this area, and you run into people. And and look, if you're a public figure, if you're somebody who does what I do and has done it for forty years. Um, you know, you need to worry when people don't want to talk to you or <laughs> take a picture, yeah. I suppose. So, you know, yeah, that's no, part of it. That's part of your uh, part of your job, I think. Hell's Kitchen is still a neighborhood. That's the fun part about living. Yeah, there. it's cool. It's very cool. I enjoy it. I was down in Gramercy Park for 20 years and it used to be a neighborhood. Now it's just a gentrified sort of corporate 
conglomerate. Like there used to be the, the corner deli and everybody knew each other's name. And now it's like a Verizon store, a, a Taco Bell, a bank, you know, when it used to be like a neighborhood kind of thing. And you still get that vibe. You still get the old school Hell's Kitchen people living here. The, the, the first generation of the Irish and the Puerto Rican that is still oh, yeah. there. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, you walk down 46th Street and, um, you know, some of these restaurant owners are third generation. You know, they've been doing this for a long time and, and they care about the product. They care about their shops and their restaurants and stores. And it's it's cool. I, I like it. And it's central, too. So if you want to go to a different neighborhood, if you need to get to your office, if you need to get to a studio. It's, it's all right here. It's, it's very cool. Yeah. So let's get let's start from your beginning. Where did sure. you grow up? Where did you grow up? I was born in Chicago, and in 1968, my dad uh, got transferred. He was in the auto industry to Detroit, so we grew up uh, in the northern suburbs there. I uh, went to high school there, college at Michigan State, and uh, got into the radio uh, part of, uh, of the business very early. And, and I'd grown up like a mile and a half from where Jimmy Hoffa was kidnapped. And I became fascinated with that story. I used to ride my bike up to that restaurant and the crime scene and the cops and the FBI agents and <clears throat> the local reporters and network uh, correspondents. And I kind of got bit by the bug back then, Steve. So when I, when I went to school, you know, I just signed up for the radio station. And one thing led to another and was lucky enough by the end of my four years in college to actually be working for the NBC television station, uh, you know, as a part-time reporter and started there. I found out that you went to Michigan State yesterday from, uh, I don't know if you know, there's another alumni from Michigan State that uh, is famous from the Howard Stern show, and that's Jackie the Joke Man Martling. Did Jackie go to Michigan State? Yes, yes, he did. How I did was, I not know that? I don't know, but I, I was chatting with him yesterday, and I told him that I was excited <laughs> that I was having you on the show today. And he goes, you know, he went to Michigan State. I was like, well, I'm going to have to bring that up. Oh, yeah. Well, now, geez, I, that is shocking because there's a pretty big network of Michigan State people in New York City, you know, and yeah. I get the email chain and all that. Oh, God, I'll have to look him up. That's that's, yeah. that's funny. It's funny. This is an aftershock first. We're, we're, we're taping early in the morning, and this is actually filled with tea and not booze. <laughs> <laughs> I got some coffee here. I got I got a good friend of mine over in Ireland. She came over and brought a bag of Irish tea. And oh, I'm cool. I'm obsessed with it. <clears throat> And uh, me not being a caffeine person, when you have a little caffeine, you kind of get jacked. So I'm a little, oh, yeah, little yeah. I'm a little hyper. I'm ready for you. <laughs> okay. So, okay. So now you have possibly one of the most important, to me, one of the most important shows on television. Okay. You single out predators. And I, I really, again, I'm a very protective of children. And I, luckily for me, I was never, well, I kind of was, I don't know if you, I, I was underage and something happened with me with a girl that was 19. And I can't say it was rape because I really enjoyed it. But um, <laughs> if you can kind of get the picture. Uh, sure. It was sort of like, um, I thought I was a cocky little bastard and she took me up on it and uh, something happened and it was pretty amazing. But I was 12 and she was 19. And I, I, I know that's not right, but it felt right. Well, we're talking about a whole different sort of thing where, yeah, but, you know, somebody is approached by predator online. Yeah and groomed and convinced to do something they shouldn't do that is in fact illegal and quite possibly damaging for a child's lifetime. And so, you know, we, it's, it's hard to believe, but we, you know, did the very first predator investigation 17 years ago. Wow. Um, and we were out doing another one just in the past few months in Michigan. And once again, guys showed up to meet, you know, 12, 13, 14, year old boys and girls 
And uh, we're getting ready to launch a whole new series of Predator episodes. And, and we have some of them on my YouTube channel, Have a Seat with Chris Hansen. It's, it's stunning to me. And one of the reasons why we launched our podcast, Predators I've Caught with Chris Hansen, is because, you know, during this pandemic, so many kids are online uh, more often and for longer periods of time. And they can be uh, more easily targeted by predators. And also, Steve, think about this. I mean, when we first did the investigations, we merely had decoys in chat rooms on AOL and Yahoo. Okay. Well, today, I mean, I can't even keep track of the number of social media platforms where kids can be approached by adults with ill intent. It's scary because they have access. It's such easy access to all stuff like this. Like, you know, I, it was kind of disturbing because my, you know, my friends, kids, they're like, getting they're in YouTube and they discovered that I'm on YouTube and I don't like that yeah. because they're, they're looking up my shows and stuff like that. And there's stuff that they don't need to know about me. And there's no regulation for stopping them to go on. Well, well, there isn't. I mean, there's supposed to be age limitations, but I mean, we found over and over again, I mean, we've done um, investigations both on my YouTube channel and, and uh, for television series that are out now on discovery plus so Onision in real life, it, it explores and exposes what some of these content creators were getting away with and making tons of money on. And in some cases had a whole litany of allegations of abuse, sexual impropriety um, and predatory behavior and, and really did some damage. And it's, it's quite shocking. And it's, it's the wild, wild west out there. And many parents don't understand what their kids can be exposed to and who their kids can be exposed to. That's a, that, that I think is the main problem is the parents are just really not paying attention to what's going on. And it's letting people like these predators get away with it. Now, did something, your inspiration for all this, obviously it's, I think it's obvious that anybody should be inspired to do what you do because it's just logic. But did you have any instance in your life that made you go, I will never let this happen again? Or did No, you nothing like that. I mean, basically I became aware of, the online watchdog group perverted justice and thought well if we could use their decoys online and combine it with our ability uh, at nbc at the time to wire a house with hidden cameras and microphones it could be pretty compelling and so i pitched the story and it wasn't ever meant in the beginning to be a separate series or franchise it was meant to be you know a story for dateline and and they bought the pitch and we did it and a lot of smart people weighed in on it and we did that very first episode in beth page long island and i can remember distinctly driving out to the sting house and wondering you know what if nobody shows up what if i just wasted you know tens of thousands of dollars of the network's money and with that you know my producer called and said you know we got two guys scheduled to show up in 45 minutes where the hell are you and, uh, you know, in two and a half days, 17 guys surfaced in that investigation, including that is New York scary. City firefighter. That is scary <clears throat> because if it didn't, you didn't do that, that could have been 17 people that were assaulted, hurt, molested. Well, I always, you know, people always, you know, look at it as, um, you know, just some sort of a TV sting, or at least in the beginning. And I think even some judges did when these cases were prosecuted, um, you know, was a stunt. Well, no. What would have happened if we weren't there and a 13 or 14 year old boy or girl was there? Well, there would have been a sexual assault, unquestionably. I mean, you know, all these excuses about I was just coming here to check on the child or this or that or the other thing. I mean, just, you know, it's it's all BS. I mean, the reason these guys show up and by the way, the crime is usually committed online. The solicitation of a minor that showing up is the, you know, the icing on the cake.
how do you keep yourself so calm? Because if I were to walk in that room, I might probably have a little bit of a different attitude towards the people. And you show up and you're the calmest, cool, you know, the, sit down, have a drink, have some cookies. It's kind of like, it's it's comical in a way, the way you handle the situation, because the look on the people's faces that, that you would expect someone like me would come out and start bashing their head in, where you're just more like, no, take it easy, buddy. Sit down. It's not so bad, which it is. And I, oh, yeah, I, it's terrible. But, you know, my job, at least what I believe my job is, is not to, you know, be Judge Dredd and walk out and administer justice. My job is to get inside this guy's mind and understand what it is that brought him to this situation. What could he possibly have been thinking? What was the process? What was the reason he decided to chat with a 12, 13, 14 year old kid and show up to have sex with them? And if you can better understand that, then I think along with hearing voices of victims, you can better protect kids, other people from becoming victims. And that's been my mantra, you know, for 40 years throughout all my reporting. It's understanding that and taking the viewer along on a journey of discovery to see things they wouldn't normally see and hear things they wouldn't normally hear. And, and, and you, you protect people that way. Uh, you educate people that way. You create a dialogue and an awareness that didn't exist before. Now, when you uh, when you go through this process, what, what, in, in your cases, what, what was the most disturbing one that you've ever had? Is there one that stands out? Well, <clears> it's about a hundred way. Yeah, it's about a hundred way tie for first. I mean, you're talking yeah. about, you know, 400 plus guys I've confronted over the years. And, and, you know, it's interesting you bring that up, though, because I get asked that question all the time. It's a great question. And, and it forces me to sort of think back on, you know, who was the most disturbing? And I can tell you. Uh, the one that sticks out, and I almost erased him from my mind, I, I guess because it was so disturbing, was the one we did uh, that's the episode that was released just yesterday on the podcast, Predators I've Caught with Chris Hansen. It's, it's a guy named Chuck Harding. This guy walked into our sting in Riverside, California, 65 years old, and this chat was absolutely just uh, horrifying. He had been a, uh, a brother in the religious life, the Catholic church, he had taught in his role there. He had uh, driven a bus for disabled uh, people. Um, and he was a true believer in, in um, pedophilia and had a manual to conduct it and child porn in his possession and, and really you know, presented a danger uh, to any child who got in his way. And he was, he was a hardcore heavy hitter. He was one of the guys who could never be fixed, I believe. And so we confronted him and we tell the story in the podcast that's out now. And actually, he was a, under investigation after his arrest in our sting by the Riverside County Sheriff's Department for being tied into a whole pedophile and child porn ring. Knowing that he was facing that, he actually stopped taking his medication in jail and essentially, you know, killed himself. Uh, but he was going to go away I mean, at 65 the rest of his life for sure. And it's, there's so many questions and I'm trying to like organize them in my head. So these people say they don't want to sign a release. Say they, you know, they, they it doesn't matter. We it don't, we don't matter. need a release because, okay. and I know what you're getting at because in, in some shows I've done, we need to get releases in the, you know, some of the series we do today for discovery plus we, you know, you got to get releases from the people you interview. But in this particular case, Steve, because we are a news organization, a journalistic endeavor, and we are covering what is essentially the commission of a felony as it happens, we don't need to get a release. 
I just love that they're exposed. I can't imagine the shame that their family and friends and their coworkers must have when they see people. Well, you know, I, I was just watching 30 Rock. I, I never watched 30 Rock before, so I started watching 30 Rock. And I saw, I just, last night I was watching the episode where you caught uh, Tina Fey's girlfriend <laughs> uh, on, on, on uh, like a predator. He comes in with balloons. I oh, think. yeah, yeah. Oh, it was that great. was up. Uh, Oh, what's that kid's name? I um, oh, I used to hang out with him all the time. I can't think of his he, name. He was he was great fun to work with, and and yeah. I, I'll think of his name the minute I get off your show. I'm sure, but yeah, uh, great great young actor, and and um, he's Mr. Mayhem uh, on the commercials. Yeah, 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 he was he was could not have been more pleasant to work with. Oh, he's he's uh, a good dude. We shot he's... it at a at a house in Queens, or, or I think, and and uh, um, it, was, it was so much fun to do, and, and I, you know. People always ask, you know, what is it like to have this show and, and your image be a part of pop culture? And and I said, well, you know, I always tell the story when my two oldest kids are now in the business, uh, were in high school. You know, they went to a high school with kids whose dads did a lot of important stuff. So, you know, having a dad on TV wasn't that big of a deal. But when South Park did a Chris Hansen Predator uh, episode. Suddenly I was the coolest dad. And, and, and the way, you know, yeah, I mean, the, you know, it's clever that show. And, and obviously a lot of pop culture stuff still revolves around, you know, the predator series and franchise, but you know, if, if, if somebody wants to make fun of me, I don't mind because it still creates awareness in a dialogue about a very important topic. And so I think all of that plays back into what we try to do here, which is create awareness in a dialogue. And uh, there, there you go. go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Chris> Noah's <Han. laughs> on point. That's my producer. Thank you, Noah. You're great. So here's another situation. So now, I, I, of course, this is all alleged stuff that we're about to talk about. But, you know, there's, there's always has been this talk about this bizarre sex ring, Jeffrey Epstein, Bill Clinton, all these things that are pretty much out there, they're all speculation, hearsay, conjecture. But there always seems to be a ring of truth to something like this sex ring that's going on. You know, Jeffrey Epstein, did he did he kill himself? His island, the underage girls, Bill Clinton. You know, how come there's no further investigation into this? Why is it not being exposed more? Well, I, I there think there are investigations continuing. And, and um, I think there's an active investigation. And, and clearly Epstein was... Uh, you know, a class one predator, uh, you know, he's like uh, Peter Nygaard, you know, who we profiled uh, in the uh, unseemly investigation also on Discovery Plus, these guys with, you know, millions and millions of dollars who for whatever combination of reasons prey upon women and children uh, in the most abhorrent ways. And because of their money and their power, they get away with it for a while. Um, and and the, you bring up the Epstein case. I, I think it's a great example of local reporting. Um, I had been working a little bit on the Epstein case, you know, five, six, seven years ago and was trying to put together a sting of some sort in New York here uh, where he has a residence. And we weren't able to do it. And to be honest with you, I got busy with other projects. It was Julie. It was Julie K. Brown at the Miami Herald who kept chipping away and chipping away and chipping away and convinced these very brave survivors to speak out. And it was her reporting in Miami that ultimately led to the U.S. Attorney's Office here in New York City filing charges against Epstein. I mean, that that's the truth of it. I mean, she kept and her team kept digging away and digging away and digging away, and finally these 
traumatized but very brave survivors came forward and that's what made this case. I mean, and I think, you know, we did that with the um, the Nygaard case, which is, you know, you look at that. I mean, this is this is as big, if not more offensive than, than Epstein, if you can believe that. And, you know, we were on it. The CBC was on it. The New York Times was on it. But it takes this is when reporting is at its best, when you expose these things and you put the pressure on people to do something about it. And even I mean, we've we've exposed other predators. And during this time of pandemic and civil strife, many prosecutors offices across the country aren't picking up cases unless they're, you know, murders. And so these guys who are doing this stuff online are getting away with it because honestly, in some areas of the country, they don't have time to bring these cases to the DA's office to prosecute them. When, when you were first investigating, you brought up the whole Epstein thing. Um, were you ever told by a superior to squash the case? No, never, 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 never. It, it really, it really, you know, I had some meetings with some investigators. I had some documents and some files from his uh, plea deal. Um, I knew where he lived in, in New York City and on the Upper East Side, and I had heard the allegations that, that he was still, you know, operating um, with high-profile people and, and underage girls. And that's really, you know, I had more than that, but that's really what I had. And, you know, that that case w- was difficult because he had so much security around him. And, and that's my point. I was trying to do something that was high-end and, and uh, high-production television in a sting. And it was local reporter, uh, local reporters uh, who kept chipping away, especially Julie K. Brown, who just wrote a book on the whole uh, thing, and, and really made this case. And that's why, you know, some of these platforms like YouTube and Patreon and that, you can have the ability to, to start a story, to expose somebody who's, you know, committing these crimes, and build it into something bigger on a larger platform where you can get some sort of justice. So they, uh, the, the, uh, a good friend of the show, Ian Halpern, uh, is a best-selling author and offered Prince Albert. Is that, is, is that the one that's under investigation? Is it Prince Albert? Andrew. Or, uh, Andrew. Prince Andrew, $100 million to take a lie detector test. Um, and that's, and of course, he's not going to respond, but it seems like he's more guilty than anybody out of this whole thing and he's being protected by the royal family. What's your take on someone that's pretty much caught on camera, have people straight up saying this is what he did, and um, now this is what's going on? Well, you know, I think he was definitely in the mix here. Uh, I don't have any evidence above and beyond what has been out there. Uh, I'm working on something. Uh, I'm working on um, uh, someone who has information who can tell a, a very interesting story about Andrew. Um, someone who's extremely worried about their uh, safety if they come forward. And so it's one of these, you know, nip and tuck efforts to get somebody to, to speak, but to preserve their, their personal safety. And I don't know if I'll ever be able to make it happen, but I'm sure going to try but the allegations directly relate to uh, Prince Andrew and his activity uh, with Epstein. Yeah, and but someone like him is just protected. He's not going to. You know, well, he's in the royal family, him. so he's yeah. you know he yeah he's you know he's going to look at it as uh, you know cheeky behavior, and and you know we look at it as being a you know a full full on predator. 
um, it's bad uh, and, and illegal and, and um, you know, worth investigating. So what happens, uh, you, the guys come in, they leave. My favorite part of the show is when the police come and tackle them. And they're, they're just sitting there with their mouths open, not realizing how much trouble they're in. What's the process after what happens that when they once they leave the house and they're in police custody? Well, they're they're interrogated by police. Uh, the district attorney's office, the prosecutor's office uh, prosecutes the case. And we've seen people get uh, sentences ranging from probation to, you know, 50 years in prison, uh, depending on their backgrounds and depending on the, you know, whether or not they possess child pornography, depending on, you know, how the whole case went down. Um, and, you know, the vast majority of the guys who've surfaced in these investigations have been successfully prosecuted. A handful have have gotten away, uh, but but a tiny, tiny, tiny percentage. Have you heard any stories of after they've been on the show, the what they've had to go through at home? Oh, that's that's we get into that. Yeah, we get into that in the podcast. I mean, if you can, if you remember the uh, the rabbi who surfaced in our investigation in Herndon, Virginia, just outside of Washington D.C. I mean, this guy got a six and a half year sentence in a federal court after being prosecuted by the FBI. And he hasn't been able to stay out of trouble. I mean, you think that this is a guy who would at some point go straight, but yet he has been in and out of uh, jail, prison, numerous occasions for violating his parole. He's in with his therapist and he's not supposed to have um, a device uh, that his parole officer is not aware of to connect to the internet and the parole officer comes to visit him at the therapy session and his phone, his illegal phone rings. Well, back he goes, he violated again. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. There are some cases and I'm trying to get these guys to talk to me where um, some of the younger guys who are first time offenders have gone straight, have uh, made something of their lives. And, and as you can imagine, it's a difficult decision for these guys to say, okay, I wanna revisit all this you know, and go on Chris Hansen's podcast or, or show. Um, I'd like to, because I'd like to give these guys a fair shot at, uh, at redemption. I, you know, I, everybody makes mistakes, but, you know, that's just a really dangerous mistake. You always wonder how many times they've done it before. Well, that's and the thing. I mean, so, you know, if you, if you look at Chuck Harding, who's the topic of the podcast out right now, you know, I'm going to bet money you know, that this was not his first rodeo based upon the material that he had in his possession, the child porn, his belief that it was okay for a grandfather to be with his, you know, somebody who looked like his grandson. I mean, he had this down and he was part of a larger group of pedophiles. Um, and, and, and if you talk to psychiatrists and therapists who really study this and talk to inmates in, in prisons, the inmates, and they have nothing to gain from this, right? They're in for forever or for a long time. They'll tell the therapist two things. One, if they got caught once, they had offended two or three times at least before. Two, there is very definitely a link between the viewing of child pornography and predatory behavior, unquestionably. Those have you, are true. Have you ever been in a situation where you did catch somebody and somebody from higher up came down and said, no, you can't air that? Never. No, no. I've never, this whole notion of media being censored, it, it's, it's, I've never experienced it in 40 years. Nobody has ever said to me, we're not doing that story because it reaches into somebody who's you know, part of our network or somebody in the business. And, and you know, look, I, I, we did an investigation 
five, six years ago in uh, Fairfield, Connecticut. And a uh, guy walked in, he looked familiar to me, and he, he first thing he says is, Chris, no, Chris, no, it's not what it seems. It's a guy I had met on the train commuting from New York City to Connecticut. I mean, this was a guy who I had talked to before. It wasn't a buddy or anything, but it was somebody I, I knew. And there he is in my sting operation there to meet a 13-year-old boy. Can you imagine? No. I mean, it, it took me like a whole day, Steve, to process that. And I couldn't remember the guy's name because he wasn't a close friend. And I ended up, I texted another fellow who I was friendly with from the commuter train from Metro North. I said, who's the guy? And I described him and he said, oh, that's, you know, so-and-so. And uh, I said, oh my God, because the crew all thought that the guy just knew me from television. Yeah. You know, I had no idea that, you know, he was, uh, he was a guy who I'd known from the commuter train. I bartended in uh, nightclubs for at least 20 years. And sometimes, not that this is a, on the same page, but I kind of understand like, like there was one situation where, you know, I was bartending and it was a gay night and I bumped into someone's parent that wasn't supposed to be there kind of situation. And you mm-hmm. were like, uh oh. And I never really revealed anything, you know, because it was just too awkward. But, right. you know, like you, you're like, that's Baba Blah's dad and he's out there with no shirt on dancing at a gay nightclub. And it's like, uh, okay. It's an awkward situation, you know. The wooden, the wooden Indian rule. The wooden Indian doesn't speak. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I just left that one alone. But um, so you got a lot. Oh, let me ask you a question. I know there's something recently just happened with you in the news. Is that something you can elaborate on or you don't want to get into? No, it's fine. It, it was a very simple issue that, that, that some in the digital media used as clickbait. But in the most recent predator investigation in Michigan, we had done two in Michigan, and one of them was in a small county uh, we were actually with the Genesee County Sheriff, but we did this thing in Chiawassee County, a small town. And, and the, the, we had caught, one of the guys was a, a prison guard, a Michigan corrections officer, who told his wife and children that he was going to Home Depot to get paint, but instead was going out to have sex with a 14-year-old girl. And we caught him in the sting. And he admitted everything to me on camera. And we did a story for the um, for the YouTube channel, have a seat with Chris Hansen, and we're going to include him as part of the, the new television series as well. So his defense lawyer requests the raw video from the sting. Now, normally what happens is that would go through the prosecutor's office, and then the defense lawyer would get that uh, through discovery. In this case, for whatever reason, the prosecutor didn't do it first, the defense lawyer did, and they kept serving, trying to serve me at the house in Michigan. And I called the lawyer and I said, look, I said, here's the name of my lawyer in New York. We're going to facilitate everything you need, uh, as long as it's a, a lawful subpoena, and we will comply. But reach out to the to the lawyer in New York. Well, they never did that. And so a hearing was set, a show cause hearing was set to, to explain why we had not turned over all the video that they wanted. And nobody told us about the hearing. So I'm sitting in the apartment here, and the lawyer calls and said, hey, I just found out there's a hearing in Michigan tomorrow. Did you know anything about this? I said, no. He said, so he tries to call the lawyer and then the next morning he tries to call the court. Well, the lawyer sneaks in at exactly, you know, 8.05 to the courthouse, the small courthouse in Corona, Michigan, and represents to the judge that I was uncooperative and had been properly served. But we didn't know there was a hearing. It was, it was obscene. And so he's trying to call the lawyer before the hearing. The lawyer says, I can't talk now. I've got him going into the hearing. Totally misrepresents it to the judge. The judge, not having the benefit of the whole of knowing everything, issues a bench warrant for non-compliant for not showing up at the hearing. Well, had we known, we could have you know done a Zoom appearance. I mean, all these court cases are done by Zoom anyway. It's a civil matter. 
So for a very short period of time, there was a bench warrant. The lawyers tried to call the courtroom. The clerk wouldn't put them through to the judge, whatever. So the next morning, we went in and explained to the judge. The judge was cleared up in, in 43 minutes. It was done. It was an absolute non-issue related to a civil matter on videotapes. And the, the, the tapes are turned over. There was absolutely no issue there. Yet, you know, on a slow news cycle, some in the digital media decided to use my name as clickbait. But that's now, the story. It's unfortunate because, again, I, I've heard nothing but nice things about you in the neighborhood, that you were a really good guy. But there are certain people out there, because of what you do, regardless of what their intention might be, are looking for you to fail. Like they almost want you to, they almost want you to get caught like with a little kid, you know what I'm saying? Like they're, they're, they're waiting for the hammer to drop with you, and and it's real easy for that because you, you you're doing good, and everybody thinks you know that that why is he doing this? Maybe he there's some like premeditative like thing that you got going on. Why you're obsessed with this? Because maybe you do it yourself. And I well, that's that's, that's that's I mean, I don't I don't know that anybody's out to get me. Certainly, I think there are people who I've pursued journalistically who you know anybody can in the online world today, gin up a misinformation campaign. And certainly that's happened, but you know, it, people know better uh, at the end of the day. I mean, look, it's not like the predator stories are the only journalism I've ever done. I mean, I've got 10 Emmys and none of them are for the predator series. I mean, the predator series is, you know, five, 10% of my portfolio. So I think people understand that. And I, I think, you know, if you catch something that's misunderstood and, you know, suddenly people are getting a lot of clicks, they're going to exploit it. And it's, it's, you know, it's the, the, you know, the dark side of this business is that people don't read sometimes or, or put the effort into the second paragraph, but that's, you know, that's all that was. It seems like the lawyer just wanted to get his name in the paper. Well, I, I think the lawyer is trying to jam us up. Um, I mean, people forgot that the story here is that a Michigan prison guard, a corrections officer was trying to have sex. And if you look at the transcripts, they're very explicit, very disturbing. I mean, he's trying to create doubt to, to defend his client. And it, 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 this, this wouldn't have happened, Steve, in any other courthouse in America. No. If it was one county over in Genesee County, it would, they were, they were, it's big enough where they would understand. The only reason this happened was it was in a small town courthouse where people misrepresented uh, the facts of the case to the judge. The judge, you know, wasn't trying to uh caused me any pain or harm and in fact it was you know once it was resolved we were over in the the little uh, breakfast joint across the street with all the lawyers and people from the courthouse and you know it was it was a non-event but yet nobody there were no uh, local reporters there yeah you know that nobody was you know i would have bought a breakfast coffee at least <laughs> a couple of cookies some lemonade yeah, whatever <laughs> So what the, we're going to try to wrap it up because I know you got a busy day sure. today. So, um, but like one of my, one of the most comical moments I remember, and it's like because on Facebook it, there's a lot of you know they they just have set up clips which is just like you know the, the juicy meat of the whole thing, and there was one guy where you were reading the transcript back to him, and he's trying to say no 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 I'm not gay. It was supposed to be a 14 year old boy. And he's trying to say he's not gay, but you're like, right here on the transcript, you said you wanted to raw dog him. What is a raw <laughs> dog mean? And like, I, we all kind of know what that means, but I love that you pretended like you didn't know what it was and you're asking <laughs> him to explain raw dog. I wanted him to explain it, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was just like, I almost spit my coffee out. I was like, but I'm not gay. But you just said you wanted to raw dog a 14-year-old. What does that mean? <laughs> Do you have a special funny 
a like moment where you would just almost spit your coffee out? Well, I, I think, you know, undeniably there have been some humorous moments in the very serious series of investigations. But I think one that sticks out is uh, there was a fellow who walked into our sting house on the Jersey Shore, and he, before I could say anything, he literally looks at me and goes, oh, man, you're Chris Hansen. And I said, well, how did you know that? He said, well, I watch your show all the time. When I miss him, I, I, I pick him up on the Internet. I said, do you even get I mean, he was excited to be on the show. <laughs> I mean, he truly was. And it happened, you know, in one other <laughs> instance in Petaluma where a guy walked in and said, oh, you know, I was just kidding. I just wanted to make sure that this was you. And uh, can you turn the cameras off? No, I'm not going to turn the cameras off. I mean, these guys forget that I have all the transcripts. Yeah. And that's the spine of the case. That's in most states, all prosecutors need for a successful case are the transcripts. The solicitation of a minor takes place online. The fact that they show up, you know, is important. It's the television part of it. It's sometimes evidentiary. Sometimes they bring things that show intent, but you know, it's the transcript. It's the chat online that basically makes the case. No, there was, when I worked on the Howard Stern show, Howard did his little part in trying to exposing like this whole underworld. And it was, uh, he used to play, uh, it was a tape recording of an answering machine. And it went something like this. I'm going to try to pull it off. Because, and it was a really weird, creepy voice. And it was, this is NAMBLA, the North American Man Boy Love Association. Don't worry. Our oppression will soon end. If you're a man and love a boy, don't be afraid. It's okay to be a boy lover. And that was like the answering machine to NAMBLA, the North American Man Boy Love Association, where there was this whole thing where these people thought they were wrong to be persecuted for liking little boys. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, that the FBI had basically put them out of business until the Internet. And then, you know, obviously they were back up and running because it was so uh, difficult to track these people. Um, but, yeah, it's outrageous. So what do you got coming up? Tell everybody what's going on. What do we so expect? I hope we've got to, uh, we, we're, we should know in the next couple of weeks where the new Predator investigations are going to air on television. We uh, have two series up on Discovery Plus right now. Uh, unseemly, the Peter Nygaard investigation, as well as Onision in real life about a YouTube content creator who engaged in, in a, just some very disturbing predatory behavior targeting young women. And um, we're working on a couple other television series as we speak that I'll be able to talk about very soon. We've got the podcast, Predators I've Caught with Chris Hansen, YouTube channel, Have a Seat with Chris Hansen. And uh, I'm out there on social media and uh, working hard. Have a seat with Chris Hansen. Real quick, we'll end it on this, and it just came to my mind. Have you ever caught a woman? Never. And um, the therapists and people in this world with whom we speak say it's because typically when you when you talk about a female predator, you're more likely to see the teacher-student scenario as opposed to the anonymity of somebody who meets online. It happens. It's never happened in one of our investigations, but it does happen. And um, but but the male predator seems to enjoy the anonymity where the female predator does not. So we we've never seen it. So basically, men are just filthy pigs, and that's the bottom line. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll end it on that. Chris All Hansen, right. thank you so much. Steve, a thank you. With, a pleasure. Yeah, have a seat with Chris Hansen. That's a great line. I, I Thank you so much for coming in. I'll see you a little later. Everybody, yeah. I appreciate you tuning in. Grillo's Aftershock XL. We're on Spotify, uh, Stitcher, TuneIn, Audible. 
and and iHeartRadio. Thank you so much. Tune in, everybody. Peace out. For those at the Shock XL, well, this will be up soon, I hope. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Steve.